Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm best-selling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to The Paleo View. It's the last podcast of 2019, right? Wow. Yeah. Have we done that math right? I So, full disclosure, we are pre-recording this so that we can actually take the time off uh, between Christmas and New Year's and spend it focused on our families. I love uh, that we're doing that, by the way. And I hope you listeners find time for yourself this holiday season as well. <laughs> it's so nice to I be able to do this. I really hope that people are catching up on this episode like the second week of January. Do you know what I mean? Like, take some time. Maybe it makes really them important. Maybe it makes them happy to listen to the podcast, in which case I hope you're listening to this whenever suits you best, my it friend. It could be family time by the fire, like an old-fashioned radio. Maybe there are families out playing Pokemon Go. That is an excellent family activity <laughs> and very thematic for our episode. It's almost like I looked ahead. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so we're pre-recording, um, but I hope we've got a great topic for our listeners this week. This question came in and I saw it and I was like, this is, to me, it's it's such a, it's one of those questions that has like inspiration right in the question and then a launching point for us to talk about. And I just felt like when, maybe it's because for me, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most for the Christmas break when my kids are home from school is family time. And we're talking about all the different things we're going to do. We're going to try some new hiking trails. We're going to weather permitting, actually try camping, which we've never done winter camping before. So we will find out very quickly if our gear is warm enough. Um, but we have this like, you know, we're, we're planning a, like family adventures. And I love the, for me, it's, it feels so um, like serendipitous to then also talk about how we can not just bond as a family, but heal as a family. Hundred percent. Had I not been on mute, that would have been much more well timed. <laughs> well, this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. I know I've talked about it before on the podcast, but our family has started doing more what we call activities or experiences together versus um, things during the holiday season. Is usually when I purchase those, right? So whether they're vacations or music lessons or different kinds of things like that, um, I do try to plan them in and then we gift them at the holidays so that then we can experience them throughout the year. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. So we want to maybe like jump into the question and then we can um, talk about how we can all focus all of this goodness yes <laughs> 
So this is a question from an international listener from London, UK, which I think is very cool. And I am going to avoid reading this question in a very bad British accent. And I just want all of our listeners to know that that's taking a large amount of self-control on my part because I love accents, but I'm not good at them. So this question, hey, ladies, I listen to your show every week in the car, and I think you are fabulous, real, authentic, informative, and on point. When the whole family has issues and cannot afford to see a functional medicine specialist, what whole family strategies would you recommend? My husband has fibromyalgia and ME, that's uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. My daughter has autism, vitiligo, and psoriasis, and I have celiac and perimenopause. We all do liquid D3, probiotics on rotation, sauerkraut and kefir. We prioritize sleep and relax. We love yoga, walking, breathing, and stretching. My daughter and I love the gym, and we could live in thermal waters forever. My husband and I steam every week. What else can we do? I love, I love this family. They're doing so many awesome healing things together already. What is interesting to me is that they're already doing so many things that we would normally recommend. For example, yoga, walking, breathing, stretching, water activities, like all of this I love. Um, And it kind of opens up the door for us to talk about other things that maybe we've tangentially talked about on the show or different ideas that we do as a family that we share on social media and different kinds of things, but it's a a good place to put it all together. And I don't want to lose sight of the fact that obviously if you're focusing on healing, that we don't want to lose sight of all the other lifestyle factors that we talk about. But given this question, I think what I'm excited about is the opportunity to talk about some of the things that you might not necessarily think of as healing activities, but that are. For example, you know, we had Mark Sisson on the show years ago to talk about play and the importance of social mm-hmm. bonding together. So feel free to like refer back to that show. But I think a lot of the things that we're going to talk about are some of those kinds of activities because togetherness um, and social interaction and being outside, earthing, all of those things are healing. So while you're going to say, well, that thing that you just told me, like playing a board game doesn't necessarily, you know, lead to healing. Well, it it does in the context of social interaction and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that I also want to like make sure that we mention here is that this is a, um, a, a, really neat situation where the entire family is on board with their healing journeys together. And we often will get questions from the flip side of that coin. And we've, we've talked about it on the show before where somebody needs to prioritize their sleep and, you know, maybe following AIP, you know, nutrient density farmers market, and they don't necessarily have the support of their family. Their family's not on board yet. And this is, this is uh, I mean, really, it's it's not an opposite challenge, um, but it's, I think in many ways, it's um, it's a really wonderful situation to be in where the family's priorities are all in the same place. And it becomes then a, a challenge of creativity of what, what affordable healing activities can we do together. And I think that one of the things that is really to me just inspirational about this family about this question is that 
part where the family is already engaging in things that for some people are like the biggest challenge, right? So it's, it's so much easier to get enough sleep when the whole family is prioritizing sleep and everybody prioritizes an early bedtime. One of the challenges that we'll hear from listeners is, you know, I've got teenagers that stay up really late and I don't want to go to bed before them, or my spouse doesn't want to go to bed early and it, I don't sleep very well until my spouse comes to bed. Right. So it's, it's, I think a, a different challenge than that uh, differential priorities in the family. And so one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is sort of brainstorming with you, Stacy, on um, some of the things that are um, like cool family activities that are going to, to promote healing either through family bonding, through being a very meditative activity, through nature time. And one of the first ideas that I came up with, um, and now I don't know, you know, London, of course, is a big city. I don't know if this family has any outdoor space. They could live in a flat. But I think a great family activity and one that we're planning on doing this winter is planting a vegetable garden. Um, and for any of our listeners who don't have a lot of outdoor space, there's a lot of vegetables um, and fresh herbs that will grow really, really well in containers. Container gardening is sort of a different challenge because you need to add a lot of nutrients to the soil, but there's really great organic sort of natural fertilizer options. You can buy um, like composted manure, for example, which doesn't smell. Um, so one of the tricks to container gardening is adding a lot of nutrients to the soil and making sure that the containers get enough water. Those are the two big challenges. But when you can do that, you can end up with very, very productive container gardens. And one of the great things about, well, okay, there's multiple great ad, ad, advantages to um, gardening. So one is the you're controlling the quality of the soil and you're controlling what you grow. So you know you've got organic vegetables and fruit. You know that you're eating them as soon as they're picked. You know that they're grown in quality soil because you're actually doing all of that. But you're also getting exposed to probiotics in the soil. You're getting exposed to all of the various sensory experiences of nature that are beneficial. So the sights, the sm sounds, the smells, even the tastes. And also when you're doing this as a family activity, gardening is not that much work when it's divided, right? So there's a little bit of time weeding if um, this is not an issue typically in container gardens, especially if it's on a balcony. But if you're growing in the dirt in your backyard, weeding is going to be something that probably has to happen a couple times a week. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of time watering. There's going to be some time planting and harvesting. And there's going to be time amending soil, which would be, you know, putting back nutrients after your plants have, have used them up, for example. That might involve um, having your own compost, right? Or you're having your own worm bin. So a worm bin is something you can even do in an apartment. And it's a place where you can put your kitchen scraps. The worms break it down. And then periodically, you sort of filter through the wor worms. And the worm uh, castings are incredibly nutrient-dense. They're basically brand new, freshly made topsoil. And it's a great fertilizer that is completely organic for your plants. So this was, you know, my, my top line idea was uh, whether it's a container garden on uh, a balcony or a, a back patio, or if it's a vegetable garden in the backyard was, was like figuring out what vegetables grow, what time of year, where you live, 
and uh, growing some of your own produce. And the other benefit is generally it's much more affordable, especially if you're growing from seed. I would also add that we had an entire show dedicated to plants as purifiers and Mm -hmm. how they reduce the toxic load in your home if you do have plants in your home. So not just a vegetable garden outside or if you have a you know, a small, I love that you called it a flat, like you're in London, um, apartment (laughs) here in the States or whatever. Um, I would extend this also to just being responsible for plants in the home. Mm -hmm. Like for Mother's Day, that's what I always ask for is plants and trees. And it is a wonderful family thing for us all to kind of be responsible. We each have one, we name it, I have a money tree named Oprah. Um, and <laughs> yep. <laughs> and like when they start to not look so good, we all are like, okay, who's, who's doing what, where should we move it? You know? And I, I think it's totally a, a bonding experience and you can absolutely a money tree full grown from the store is not going to be affordable, but you can absolutely grow plants and different kinds of things you can find succulents and cactus which aren't as great purifiers but you can find them year round especially this time of year you can find things really affordably because people aren't thinking about planting so I think that's a great one both in and outside the home um another one speaking of outdoors and outside the home is getting outside. So not just from the perspective of like walking in yoga, but um, this summer for us, I think we felt the best our whole family has ever felt, despite the fact that we were eating out often and we were traveling and all of these hard things because we were getting so much outdoor exposure, going to national and local parks and exploring cities and that kinds of stuff. So what I've learned is locally here, there are so many parks that we don't go to enough. And Sarah, I found one kind of local to you that I sent because you were like, oh my gosh, that's in Georgia. You know, like we don't know our own areas nearly as well as we think we do. And so think about it from the perspective, if you were a tourist, like what would you do in your area? Do a ton of Google searching and there's a lot of free activities that you can do. Um, For us, we have so many national um, opportunities in the DC area, things like the National Arboretum. Um, we have state parks, we have um, Great Falls State Park, which is like this amazing thing. But then we also have a ton of smaller local parks that I know, no matter where you live, um, not just our listener in London, who I can tell you <laughs> has amazing things because I've been there. Um, but no matter where you live, I guarantee that you have um, local parks and things that you can do outside. Um, and another thing that we used to do all the time and we haven't done in a while. And I was just thinking about it with this show and I'm like, Oh, we need to get back and try that again is geocaching, Mm -hmm. which is a free activity. You find, um, something in your home that you're willing to let go of. And then you use this free app to find locations of what are called geocaches. And they're kind of like pirate boxes, almost like they're treasure boxes that you go hunting for. And when you find it with the GPS app locator, you can then swap whatever you brought, you can take out or you can leave whatever's in there and just add your thing in. But it's like a treasure hunt. And when the kids were younger, they were obsessed with geocaching. So um, I would highly recommend that. We used to geocache 
before cell phones. So I what? think how is I that know, even a thing? <laughs> I, I um I think I was still in grad school, so um just a couple of years ago. Um <laughs> I gave my mom a Garmin one year for um like a good GPS for Christmas or her birthday or something. And um that was what my my baby brother i'm gonna call him my baby brother even though he's six feet tall and he towers over me and he's like not baby at all anymore um but we used to um go and it was like a fun thing to do to see local parks in a new way because there were geocaches in places that we had gone literally hundreds of times and we had no idea that they were there um so that actually is a really i haven't done that since we moved to America, actually, really interestingly enough. So that would be a fun one for us to to take up, too. Also, when we were kids, I mean, my family, um, I come from a fairly nerdy family. That's not going to surprise any of our listeners. But bird watching was like a really common family activity. Like every family, we would share one really good pair of binoculars. And we always had bird books with us. And like my, they were kept in the car. So if we ended up anywhere, you could be like, wait, do you hear that bird? Or do you see that bird? Pull out the binoculars, take a good look, try to identify it. And my um, mom grew up even, they would camp on like bird migration routes at during migration season. So it would actually be like, try to find the very rare, whatever it is, uh, that was only in this area two weeks of the year. And so there's there's a lot of ways you can turn birdwatching into a, like a very nerdy activity. But what's cool about birdwatching is you can even do it in cities. You're not going to see the same diversity as you will elsewhere, but there's a lot of birds that have adapted or that will go through a city uh, on a migration. So birdwatching, I think, is a really, uh, you know, it's an outdoors-focused kind of a fun act it's kind of a fun thing to be able to look at a bird and know what it is it'll impress your friends i'm telling you (laughs) depends on your friends let's be real (laughs) i will say my friends i know i will say in our neighborhood we happen to live in kind of a, a mature wooded area and we get a lot of cool unique birds and boys do enjoy looking them up we have a woodpecker that lives between like the three houses the the two neighbors and ours mm-hmm. um what and I don't remember because I'm not that friend but I can say that the boys were super excited to look it up and figure it out and name it and all that kind of stuff and then I we have like bird nests in our outdoor patio and they enjoy kind of spying and seeing what it is and all that kind of stuff so um I think even if you're not super into that like we are I think when you're out and about looking around it's just fascinating to take in those things around you, right? Like find the nests, you know, you can find huge nests at the top of tall trees and point out like, Ooh, I wonder if an eagle lives there. You know what I mean? Just even if you don't see something, it's fun to explore um, that idea. And it's a, it's a learning opportunity, which is always uh, a win in my mind. It's a, it's a fun way to focus on nature, right? So uh, a lot of the things that you know, benefit us about nature time is the part that is unplugging and it's um, avoiding the stimulus of a busy street or um, a loud, right, construction zone. It's it's the entire, entire sensory experience of being outdoors and something like bird watching or 
looking for wildflowers and identifying wildflowers. Um, that type of activity is focusing on the nature that we're experiencing in such a way that is actually like increasing the intention of the experience. So I think all of those sort of nature focused activities, and you can even like take, kick that up a notch and like forage for wild, wild edibles. I definitely recommend if you're going to get into wild mushrooms to take a course, um, or go with somebody who knows what is in your area and what the poisonous lookalikes are and make sure that you are really well-informed because poisonous lookalikes can be potentially deadly depending on where you are. So you don't want a family activity to turn into death by mushroom. So that's, you know, not cool, but mushrooms are, you know, just one thing. There's also berries, um, edible berries. Again, you want to know what's not, not edible and what is, um, there's, uh, the whole onion family. So like wild onions, wild leeks, um, they can be harvested. There's other, I mean, you know, things like lamb's quarters, which is like a wild spinach grows in areas all over. There's um, some really neat, like a wild asparagus that's in the UK. So there's a lot of different, um, different wild edibles where you are. And what's cool about that is they tend to be super nutrient dense, like really high in uh, phytochemicals. So like a wild onion can have like 600 times more phytochemicals than like a an onion that you would buy in a grocery store. So it's like a huge difference. So they're a really great addition to the diet. And also another like way of making outside time intentional. Like it's a thing that I'm doing outside that is helping me to focus on the experience of being in nature. And maybe if you're not ready to go pick wild things like me, I'd just in like imagining my kid eating the wrong kind of mushroom, you could always go explore farmer's markets together. Mm -hmm. um, whether or not you go with a big budget. I mean, I personally have found great deals at farmer's markets. I think it's a matter of like when you go and where you shop and what you're shopping for. Um, but farmer's markets can be a, a great place to get some of that nutritional goodness and um is a is a good activity both for like social interaction for learning for being outdoors for exploring um i know in our area we have two that are annual um i mean i have to drive 20 30 minutes to get there but um I can go to markets in the wintertime and then in the spring and summer, it's a great opportunity to kind of like bounce around because there's all different vendors at the different local markets that we have mm -hmm. and they sell different things and it's just fun. Um, what's also fun about farmer's markets for me is the exposure to foods that I can't find in a local grocery store. So there's maybe um, I've got a couple of farmers that do forage um, and they actually know what they're foraging for. So I can get, you know, chanterelle mushrooms when they're in season, for example, um, or somebody will have like ramps, which are like a wild leek. Um, so that they're like a, I mean, it's a great way to be challenged to expand our palettes by shopping somewhere where there might be some kind of heirloom variety of something that just doesn't look anything like the grocery store. And I'm the person who like, 
look at this funny shaped sweet potato. It looks like it has a face. I'm going to bring this home. I love the the vegetables that don't look like the vegetables in the store. Um, and that's uh, that's one of the things that I really love about the farmer's market. But I think you can take a farmer's market trip into like a family nutrient density challenge and like let's let's go find a new thing that we can try that we've never tried together and and do it as a family I was totally with you I mean I'm still with you (laughs) um my kids really enjoy also finding things they've never tried before um and I think that's something that we've learned over time but I think even if you've never done that with your kids and or they're resistant to trying new things um using it as like an exploration type idea versus um maybe your kids aren't as into the whole nutrient density thing as um our listeners family is right but maybe they just like the idea of trying something new or outside the context of food or you know exploring or whatever it is and I know when my kids were younger especially when we would go to the grocery store we always tried to challenge ourselves to find something that we'd never tried before and to try it again and so I think farmers markets especially seasonal ones are a great opportunity to do that because I've seen things on your farmer market hall that I've never seen here locally because just regionally there's different kinds of things and there's always a new breed of apples or you know what I mean like there's Mm -hmm. just always something or winter squash there's like dozens of different varieties yeah and there you can maybe get four in the grocery store yeah yeah so um anyway I think if your kids are open to nutrient density challenge that could be fun I think I think first of all they have to be older to even understand all of that though and then maybe that Mm -hmm. might not be a motivator for them but I think it's a great way, even if you know what it is, right, to be like, here here are our options. Let's try them. Um, And then you know that you're getting the nutrient density. And that's something that we've done as part of what we call Chop Junior Junior. Um, And it's funny because the kids, I asked them, I'm like, why do you call it that? And they're like, well, we don't want to violate trademark. So we added another junior. (laughs) (laughs) I I think, well, maybe... A trademark lawyer might have something to say about that, but I love it. So they, do they actually do like, here's four ingredients, make something? Yes. So that's what we do. And um, we expanded it outside the family to the whole neighborhood. And the neighborhood is obsessed when neighbors are busy and they can't do it at the time that's been aligned. Like they get upset. They can't participate. We, we have... An amazing kitchen. Like, I'm just going to put it there. And so it does make it easier to host Chop Junior Junior because we have um, two ovens. We have some, I think we have 12 burners, um, two of which we've turned into a griddle. You know, so there is more space for people to work in our kitchen and it works well for this. But we actually did it in our old kitchen as well, um, just with our own kids. And what would happen is it would be one parent and one child, one parent, one child, and then we have five in our family. So one of the kids would be a judge. Um, and the parent was there mostly just like to help because our kids were younger. But now our kids are older. So ages nine to 14. 
and they usually pair up with someone else in the neighborhood. So it's usually like one of my kids who can say, oh, this is here, this is here in the kitchen so they don't spend time wasting looking for things. And then Mm -hmm. one neighbor. So the last time we did it, we had four teams of two. And that's the most that we can possibly do because of the burners. We give everybody two burners and we're like, and that's it. Um, But this Chop Junior Junior thing is great because um, it's allowed me to get them to eat things that they might not necessarily eat from a fun perspective of there's always something weird in a chopped basket. You know what I mean? Like, and so I am able to put something in a chopped basket that they will all eat because they'll all cook it and they'll all, do you know what? Like they get excited about it versus, oh, I don't want to try that. Or, you know what I'm like in a chopped basket context, it's fun and um, they need to be creative and make it edible and all these kinds of things. And then they taste each other's food and they're like, oh yeah, I like the way you did. For example, um, we had ground beef and onions and they had to cut their own onions in a basket. And half the people just used raw onions with the beef to make like meatballs or different kinds of things. And half the people uh, browned the onions and the kids were like oh I like yours so much better because the onions taste better and it's like they're learning cooking and flavors they're learning independence they're learning autonomy and um, they're so proud of themselves for the outcome even if it doesn't taste good like they're so proud that they finished something that was a major accomplishment so we usually give them 30 minutes and then we always extend it 10 to 15 because nobody ever finishes in 30 minutes <laughs> um our timeline is pretty loosey-goosey it's not like chop junior junior where we're like okay you know utensils so down you to eat it raw yeah no we we're like we actually want to eat the food why don't you go ahead and finish it and we'll wait for you um and we we do always put produce protein um Usually there's a fat, but then they might always just like use the fat on their own. And then something, like I said, weird or different that they've never tried before. Um, We did spice mixes last time as something unique. So everybody had like a little packet of different kinds of spice mixes. And it was amazing because they each opened and smelled like the five different spice packets that they were given and were like, oh, I like this one because we can do this with it and blah, 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 blah. And again, spices are like micronutrient rich, anti-inflammatory, all that kind of good stuff as well, right? So it's like they're exploring that all on their own. And then, of course, we as adults are there to answer their questions, but we have a separate person who comes in that was not part of um, the judging. I mean, it was not part of the cooking at all to do the judging. So usually it's like the parents of one of the kids isn't there for the cooking but then they'll come in for the judging not knowing whose dishes are whose so I do have an IGTV video of that explaining it all and showing how it all works and all that kind of stuff if you're interested um on my Instagram account under the IGTV tag but I can't recommend that enough I think it's it's so good in so many different ways and I love that the whole neighborhood has like adopted this as being an awesome thing to do together so um, switching gears, one of the other ideas that I had was um, taking family time and using that time to do something that's more meditative, like coloring time, right? Coloring books. And there's actually a lot of um, like crafty projects that involve coloring too. Like um, I've seen 
3D puzzle kits where you like color the puzzle and then punch all the pieces out and then put it together. Um, so I think, you know, coloring books, jigsaw puzzles are very meditative. Um, you could do something that's more on the bonding side and, and more on the like digital detox side and like take turns reading a good book aloud, like turn. I think that there's, um, there's sort of two different things that are, are going on here that would make something like this a healing activity. And one is the, um, sort of different, the way that we focus on something like a coloring book or a jigsaw puzzle is very, very different. And there's a, a lot of studies showing that those types of activities changes the blood flow in our brain in a way that, um, is similar to mindfulness practice. Um, but there's also a piece of this that is just like changing the stimulation, you know, changing, um, taking, taking our focus away from a screen and really turning that time into something very intimately social, right? So there's, um, huge benefits, Stacey, as you mentioned on the top of the show to nurturing our very, very close family relationships. I love the idea of coloring and puzzles as kind of a meditative activity. Those are things I can get into. I think my kids would not just, you know, like sit down and be quiet, but we do um, read books together. And I did get um, this like giant coloring sheet that um, I'm envisioning us all sitting around. We have a large um, family table. And so I'm envisioning, envisioning us all sitting around coloring this six foot sheet or whatever it is six over the holiday foot. break. Holy smoke. I'm so excited. I'm so it's a it's a sloth. Let's be real. Um and <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> to give now, this to is the it children. And then be like framed and it's gonna be like the wall art. If it's good enough. Yeah. But I don't know where to put it because it's huge. Six 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 feet. Yeah. But at the very least I got coloring pencils and different kinds of things for the holiday. And that's what I mean by experiences for the holiday. Like that's a thing, but we will remember the experience of coloring together. And I'm sure there will be mm -hmm. jokes and holiday music and different kinds of things as we spend hours coloring this giant <laughs> thing and together. Right? The other thing that we do together that we spend a lot of time doing, um, is board games. So I think this is a good way to, to put down the phone and to detox. My kids have actually been in a screen break for almost a month now. And uh, a mandatory screen break yeah. or a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the story. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, so it started with wanting to help them have more time to focus on their schoolwork. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how I'll phrase it. Um, and then also it was paired with our house being in the market. We had like what we called a media room and there were two TVs and video games set up. And we just found like no matter what time of day it was, no matter what was happening, they just always were like gravitating to that room. And so we decided also to help our house look nice for showing that we were going to put those TVs in a closet. And so I told them, I'm like, listen, we're just going to take a break 
from video games and from screen time except as a family. We have one TV now and it's our family TV and we all need to be watching it if we're going to be watching TV. Otherwise, let's just do other things. And it has been incredible because the neighbors were inspired after hearing that our kids were on a screen break because I told them, I'm like, don't just let my kids come over and play video games because <laughs> that's what they'll do. Um, and so the whole neighborhood now plays Pokemon, like the real kind of Pokemon with cards. With Whoa, that's yeah. so 1990s. But they're loving it. And it was, you know, like a $15 investment for the neighbor's kids who didn't have a deck yet. But my kids were like, what are we going to do? And so they got everybody involved. And now literally my entire dining table is often taken up after school by like eight kids playing Pokemon together and Battle Royale. And I don't even know what's happening. I'm like, okay, but they're interacting together and they're doing math because evidently with the XPs and the whatevers, I don't know. So, (laughs) you know, they have to like (laughs) battle each other and it's like a whole thing. And I cannot recommend like a digital detox enough, uh, both for yourself as well as kind of overall, because it's incredible the creativity and the kindness and the thoughtfulness that I see in them that I am less inclined to see when they're like fighting over who gets to choose the new video game. Um, Other board games that we like to play together or actually the one I see them play with their friends a lot is Coup. Um, If you don't have that, it's C-O-U-P. It's like a 10 minute game. And it's a game of poker, but without cards. So it's like, um, I don't know how to describe it. I think we've played it with you, Sarah. But it's, it's um, you have to pretend that you are a person. So you're a duke or you're a contessa or you're an ambassador or you're an assassin. And you have a power over some people and they have a different kind of power over you depending on who they are. But it's a game of bluffing because you can say you're anything and either win or lose that way. And so that's one of their favorite games. And Finn actually designed um, his science project in school this year over that game. He made it based on planets and like used the properties of the different kinds of planets to be the characters that have power over other planets. So that like, because his um, classmates play coup together every day at lunch, he like has a box of coup that he leaves in his lunch bag in his like lunch bag that he that they play at lunchtime together. So he was able to like work his science project around that. So if you have a sixth grader, that seems to be a sweet spot. All the sixth graders love that game. Um, Wesley really likes a game called Super Fight, which is a verbal game of negotiation. Um, you're given powers and um, you have to decide if like your thing that you invented is more powerful than your the person that you're going against in a quote-unquote battle so my favorite to get is um a wizard because i'm like well a wizard always wins like no matter what power you have like i have magic i win um but you have to like you have 30 seconds to make your case um and so that's a good game because also it's just a card like i like the games that are um simple and quick and you talk with each other and that kind of stuff but i would be remiss to mention mahjong which has become um, our adult 
girls night in so my entire I don't want to say my entire neighborhood but the the moms in the neighborhood um we get together we used to do trivia but we'd have to like drive far away and buy alcohol and you know the whole thing to like go to the bar to play trivia so we changed it to mahjong and now once a week we trade homes and we play mahjong together and again it's like um, that kind of puzzling is super good for your brain. They say it reduces chances of things like dementia later in life mm-hmm. um, when you can work through puzzles and you consistently do it on a regular basis. So um, I love Mahjong and it has become like my my thing. Like I, I look forward to Girls Night in Mahjong every week and can't recommend it enough. Uh, have you ever played Bridge? I remember, yeah, so I've played bridge on an app, and I remember my grandmother playing bridge in person, but I've never played bridge in person myself. Does that make sense? Like, I love hearts. I love spades. I know I would love bridge, but I've never actually, because you have to have four people with bridge, kind of Mm -hmm. like with Mahjong, and yeah, so. I always sort of explained it as, like, chess, but with cards. Like, it it does, Mm, it requires a lot of strategy, and um, I was in a bridge club in undergrad, and I loved it. I've never been able to get my husband to like I had this whole idea that my husband would clearly also love this game and he would learn and then we would join bridge clubs together and take over we would obviously win all the bridge you clubs. can still do it without him trust me this girl's mahjong group is amazing because Matt won't play mahjong either and it's frustrating because Cole and Finn like it and so if Matt played we would have a perfect mm-hmm. quartet to play all the time but the problem is he's never won he's listening oh, to this and he's rolling yeah. his eyes right now but like Cole has been able to figure it out and win at girls night. Like he's filled in as a fourth sometimes for us <laughs> and um, he's actually won. He's good, but Matt is just not connecting for him. It's, and I'm like, you have to keep playing. I'm tr- trust me. You're going to get it. You know, but it's hard to like something when you don't feel yes. like you're going to get good at it. Like From the not- most competitive person in the world. I a hundred percent get that, mm-hmm. but I still want him to play. <laughs> uh, we have board game, a Sunday afternoons as a family and the one the game that we have been playing every single week lately has been Settlers of Catan because the kids are both finally old enough to actually like play competitively it was kind of not fair there for a while like because also my husband and I never let the kids win I was gonna say let me exactly let me be very clear we do not let the children win no 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 no. we did not no if if a kid wins it is like huge accomplishment because i i play to crush them is pretty much <laughs> that's my goal in life is to crush them at board games uh so settlers of Catan has been our and we've we got into settlers my husband and i when it was brand new i think in 2002 2003 um and like we're buying the expansion sets as they were released um so we've got i think three different expansion sets and we um we have like now expanded now now we're doing seafarers of Catan. like we're trying to like slowly add the levels of complication for the kids um but that's that's been our go-to lately but two other games that we like because they're a little bit shorter one is called Carcassonne, which is um you pick a tile at random and you have to line it up with other tiles it's like putting together almost a puzzle. So you have to line up road with road or pasture with pasture or city with city. And then every time you place a tile, a tile, you can claim 
part of the land that's on that tile. And so you get points for claiming farmland and city and road. And um, it's nice because even as a four-player game, it's like 45 minutes to an hour. And another one that will play sometimes even on weeknights because you can you can play a game in like 20 minutes is Apples to Apples, which is also nice because it's just cards and it doesn't take up very much space. So it's also one that will play if dinner is, you know, has multiple things in the middle of the table that's taking up a lot of space. And Apples to Apples is just all about making word associations. And there's so much of it is the psychology. Like I know if I get any, if I have any kind of Lord of the Rings card to play that on Adele, because it doesn't matter what the adjective is, she's going to pick smog <laughs> every time. Yeah, it's like the family version of Cards Against Humanity. You have yes. to, you have to know your judge's thought process, sense of humor, whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. and and play to their. I don't want to say weakness, but p- play to what their interests are, so to speak. Yeah. The other one I think we both love, which is not a digital detox, but gets into this idea of like getting outside with additional movement and doing something. And these are both free, although you can add in-app purchases to them, but Pokemon Go and Wizarding. And I happen to know that the wizarding in London in particular is amazing because I was, I did um, the wizarding world app in London with the boys and we loved it, but there's also no matter what level you're on, or if you haven't even started, like these games are great, both for community building and for like getting outside and discovery. And um, it'll probably be in the bloopers, but Sarah was just saying like, she's got to catch them all. Like she's been doing Pokemon for, I don't know how long. Three and a half years. And I remember when it first started, how you and I were talking about it being a great opportunity to get out and do something with the kids. And, um, at the time we didn't live far from a college campus. And I remember we would go to the college campus and we would explore. And it happened to be where Matt and I went to college and met. And so it was like this amazing experience that it was this hot spot of Pokemon stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we also were having like family interaction, like, oh, this is where, you know, I did this and this is where Daddy and I met. And, you know, like this whole thing. So you can expand it beyond just, you know, walking up and down your street and staring at your phone. Like it can be an interactive, fun experience that gets you exercise worked- and fresh air. I think they've actually uh, Niantic has worked really hard to do everything they can within those two apps to encourage community and interaction. So, for example, um, you know, there's in Pokemon Go, right? There's these, you know, level four and level five raids that you can't you can't win no matter how strong your Pokemon are unless you have um, friends to, to go play with. And then they have community days once a month. So, um, Mir and I play together and we, we know like, okay, well on the community day, we go to this park because there's going to be 200 people there playing Pokemon go. And we end up having the most like random yet super interesting conversations. Like we meet really neat people during these events. Um, and then it's also like a mother daughter thing that we can do together. And so, it's um it's funny to me because I was in Canada with my family visiting home when it was released. And because my aforementioned baby brother, who's six feet tall and all grown up, uh, and I used to play the card game when he was like he was really into it when he was young and I would play with him. And um and so and we would watch the TV show together. 
I was like way too old for this, but he was the right age. So it made sense. Um, so when it came out, he was really excited. My other brothers were really excited and we all started playing together in Canada. And of course my, my brothers don't play anymore, but I get to play with my daughter and with my niece and my nephew. And so that's become like a really fun thing for us. And it is, you know, I definitely recommend also when you go to a really cool place to play Pokemon Go or Wizards Unite that you also take a moment to experience the nature of where those games bring you out to. But it is, there have been times where I've like made time to go to a park because that's when whatever is happening. And I might not have, I might have, you know, just stayed in, in, inside. I might not have gone for a walk at that time. So um, I've, I've really enjoyed these games. Um, I think also it allows you to see the things um, from a regional perspective that you might not have mm -hmm. seen. And that sounds weird to say, but I don't know how many times, especially this summer, as we were wizarding, because wizarding came out while we were kind of you know, around the time of our road trip and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so we were super active um, as we road tripped and the kids would be like, oh, I didn't know there was a river there or. Yeah. And or look at that mural that I would have walked right past totally. and not paid any attention to. Yeah. Or for us, we found all of these little um, mini library boxes and it's yeah. literally like, leave a book, take a book. Yeah. And um, we had no idea that those were there, except that they're all Pokestops. Yeah, I, I specifically remember in Boise, Idaho, oh my goodness, we were two blocks away from the Capitol and had no idea. Like, we were eating dinner, and we were just going to go back to the hotel or whatever it was, and we looked on our app like, oh, let's let's walk around and wizard a little bit after dinner. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, look, the Capitol's right here. Let's go check it out. So um, I I love that as a as an option. And I think it kind of um, encourages to do like what you said, Sarah, where you might have been sitting and not exploring on your own. Like maybe it'll take you to a place that you wouldn't have otherwise explored if that's where the community event is or, you yeah. know what I mean? Like whatever it is. So um, some other ideas, um, day trips. I think that, um, I think it's really easy, especially weekends always seem so short, right? Like, especially, right, you got to get out grocery shopping. If you're going to a farmer's market, there always feels like there's so much to do on a weekend. But one of the things that we're trying to do as a family right now is, like, take even just half a day to drive, like, drive somewhere that's outside of where we would normally go and go, we tend to do like very nature focused things. So in the summer, we might drive to a really cool lake where we can go swimming or a really cool place where we can go hiking. Often we'll end up hiking up a mountain. So there's a gorgeous view. And that's actually, you know, types of things that we're already planning for um, the winter break when my kids are off school for two weeks. But I think that especially for anyone listening to this who lives in a city, it's really wonderful to kind of get out of the you know, the areas that we see every single day and explore beyond like Stacey you were saying like getting out and finding cool parks that we haven't been to before like those types of things I think um you know planning it as an outing or you know as a day trip I think is is a really fun family activity and it they can become adventures um hopefully all in very positive and safe ways 
Absolutely. And I think, too, one of the things that I want to mention is that part of healing is also sometimes resting and human touching. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking about a lot of activity, a lot of getting out, a lot of doing things, which can be super great and healing. But there's also something to be said for listening to your body and resting or getting human touch when you need to do that. So one of the things that our family does is we take intentional, what we call snuggle pile days where we literally all snuggle up on the um, sectional sofa and, you know, we play board games or we watch a family movie together or we do something, but that human touch is very important. Um, I, think I've read statistics before like and we've shared them on the podcast like you need nine hugs a day to like minimum and 17 to actually thrive or you know I'm just throwing out those numbers at this point but I've read them before and they've been like huge amounts of hugs that I'm not giving or getting I'll tell you that (laughs) but um certainly from a human touch perspective holding hands or laying together on a sofa or you know taking a nap with the dog, for example, is very restorative and healing for me. Um, And I will say just getting a dog in general was also very healing for our family. So I know um, our listener mentioned uh, a child with autism. Um, The person that we got Penny from was actually a breeder who had an autistic child that had gotten a dog and seen such therapeutic effects that she decided to breed emotional support therapy animals. And for us, we had said no to a dog for many, many years, but it wasn't until the kids like put a PowerPoint presentation together about why it was a good idea (laughs) and included things like reduction of depression and different kinds of things like that. And I will tell you, our dog Penny has a hundred percent made a huge difference in our family's emotional well-being in the last year. And emotional well-being also leads to healing of of physical well-being as well. So I can't recommend enough if it's appropriate for you. Now, granted, not everybody is in a situation to get a pet. I don't want you to run out and get a pet that you're not prepared for or isn't the right pet for you. We did do a lot of research, like I said, but getting our dog definitely was an amazing decision that has helped our family this last year. I have one last idea to throw out there. And again, it's sort of uh, switching gears a little bit, which is there's a lot of research showing uh, mental health benefits to learning a new skill. And the, the research shows that it can um, help maintain mental acuity through age, but it really has to do with changes in blood flow in the brain. So it can actually reduce inflammation in the brain to help flush the brain by being challenged. And um, the two classical examples are learning a language or learning a musical instrument. I think that would be such a fun family activity um, to say, okay, we're, we're going to learn this language together and we're going to, you know, be able to practice with each other um, or we're going to, um, each learn 
this, you know, musical instrument that we can like make a little family band or um, maybe even oh my God, that's just, so cute, right? Is that adorable? <laughs> or maybe it's just um, chorus. Like my family, we used to, because uh, it was the olden days um, <laughs> when there was like nothing to do in a car. We would go like our family camped. That was what we did for family vacations. And so sometimes that would involve you know twelve hours in the car to get to the amazing place that we were going camping. And we didn't even have a radio in our car. So we sang and we sang in four part harmony in our car. You make yourself seem 76 years old. You're like, back in the olden days when we didn't have a radio in the car. Order of magnitude, that is correct. Um, So, so, but that was, I mean, I, I, I love Adele is in chorus in middle school. And it's been one of the things that for me has been really fun is that she's learning a lot of the songs that I sang as a kid. And so we're starting to sing together as a family more. Um, So even if, you know, like a musical instrument is, um, you know, not affordable or, you know, music lessons are not affordable, you know, even just um, learning songs, you can learn them by ear just by, you know, finding a, um, finding it on the internet, you know, most of these things you can listen to, especially the, the old classics and, uh, singing along that it's a it's a really again sort of it's beneficial in the sense that it really changes the blood flow in the brain and um, as you're creating new neural pathways through learning that's really beneficial for maintaining neuroplasticity and cognitive flexibility but again and just another I, I think like fun fun family activity that has a um, healing focus which is really what all of these things have been about. I have a fun, not surprising fact for you. Sure. The Crandalls, Russ mm-hmm. Crandall, who was here for Thanksgiving, do use an app to learn a new language together called Duolingo. So you're like, I think it would be so fun to do this. I'm like, of course the Crandalls are already doing it. Because I mean, clearly, because they're always ahead of the game. Amazing. Uh, what language are they learning together? I don't remember. Probably like, but they all they all needed to Duolingo each day because they, I don't know, it was like points and competitive, and so it it was like driving them to this this app that they were using was motivating and encouraging them to not like not do it. Does that make sense? Even though they were with us and we were having fun and like whatever, and they'd be like, "Oh shoot, I gotta go do my Duolingo for the day." Duolingo. That's so great. I love it. I love it. Yes. Awesome. Well, we've shared lots of ideas. If you need to refer back to this list, um, maybe, for example, you want to implement some of them for New Year's resolutions uh, to do more of something or whatever. You can always find them in the show notes of our podcast. Um, We also include references to different things that we've referred back to. If you want to go check out those other podcasts that we've referred to, you can always find them on either of our blogs, thepaleomom.com and realeverything.com. And while you're there and online, maybe you can stop and leave us a review. We would love it. (laughs) It would be so helpful especially in the new year as people start thinking about making changes in their lives and all of that kind of stuff the more influx that we have of positive feedback and um, encouraging others to to give it a try is helpful in other people benefiting from the show so we appreciate your support via those um, reviews more than you can possibly know and we love hearing from you on social media as well so you can find all the links and connections to all of our social media on our blog while you're there 
Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Have a great next year. (laughs) We'll see you next year. Yeah, it works better that way. Yeah, it's great. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. It's amazing how that quickly I can get distracted is basically what happened. I was like, oh, just going to see if any Pokemon came back from gyms that I can heal (laughs) while I'm waiting. (laughs) Oh, my Dragonite's back. Okay. Let's give him some potions. Yeah, that's, that's... I leveled up to level 40 over the weekend. That's a lot of levels. It's all the levels. That's it. And my husband's like, so does that mean you're done now? I'm like, no. (laughs) He's like, well, what do you got to do now? I'm like, got to catch them all. (sighs) Not about reaching level 40. It's about completing the Pokedex. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.